Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And, well, we made it. (laughs) I know no one was saying we couldn't make it, but just for the record, we did make it. We're at the end of Wise Guy now. We're Wise Guy proper. Uh, Well, well, when we finish this arc. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're at the end of the show. And then, uh, and then, of course, you know, there's, there's a little more Wise Guy, but, you know, hmm. We'll talk about that when we get there. uh, There's a little more Vinny. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, no, but that's all that's all related to the arc. So, yes, you're absolutely right. There's two episodes devoted to Vinny right at the end of this. But for now, who boy, uh, do we jump right into one of my favorite arcs of the entire show? It is so delightful and such a fun way to start it. Right. Because. Well, it literally starts. <laughs> She's already laughing. Uh, understandably, it weirdly, it starts in the offices of the Washington Post, which is weird for this show. Uh, because it's the first time, really, that we've ever seen, uh, like, Peter Alatori talked about it a little and how the press was important for his run for governor. But it's like, we've never really seen the the public perception side of their job before. And this is literally, come down and investigate this thing, because the Washington Post is going to do an expose, and you're going to look real dumb if we catch you flat-footed on this. Yeah, because so the guys called Frank in and said, look, we're publishing this story about essentially a feudal fiefdom that still lives in America, like a place where during the gold rush, a ta- like a family set up a mining camp that turned into a town and the family has never stopped running it and they own the entire town. And, you know, they basically control like one guy, you know, the king, old man Volchek. And as he said, there have been a dozen old man Volcheks or whatever, but like old man Volchek is always there and he calls the shots. And it's basically the entire town is his property in a way that really shouldn't happen in America. If you believe, if you believe what people say about America, this kind of thing shouldn't happen. The, uh, the newspaper article is even called one man, no vote. <laughs> Just to make it clear. And as, and, uh, and Frank's essentially like, well, who cares? None of this is illegal. (laughs) You know, oh, there's a little gambling. Oh, there's a little, you know, there's a little gambling. There's a little prostitution. What does it really matter? It's not like this is organized crime. And as the guy says, oh, so it's only organized crime when Italians do it. (laughs) Which I think is a pretty good observation. Yeah. The Irish do it. The Italians do it. Oh, it's it's organized crime. The uh, some Polish people out in the Pacific Northwest do it. No, that's just yeah, it's a company. It's a corporation. They can do what they want. And that is the message, by the way. That is the the, the underlying message. It's like yeah, it's a corporation. They can do what they want. Companies. Yeah. Okay, it's not like people aren't free to leave. They can exactly. leave whatever they want. Oh yeah. But, uh, you know, you can say the same thing about the mob running protection rackets. You can just set up a store somewhere else. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, no, that's exactly it, right? 
So theoretically, theoretically, we can all leave. But in point of fact, that's not how people live. And that's not how people operate. People don't want to be forced out of their town because they don't, you know, because the guy who owns the town doesn't like them. They have as much right to be there as anybody. Yeah, but we're going to find out this is slightly different. Oh, of course it is. It's more like the, the Hershey situation. It is. It is absolutely more like the Hershey situation than the old mining company towns. Absolutely. Yeah. And, well, then, and that's, that's... well, and that is part of the, the, the fun of this series. It's like, uh, do people want freedom is one of the big questions. <laughs> when we get to the end of this yeah, arc. When we get to the end of the arc, the real question is, do people actually want freedom? Or do they want to just be, quote unquote, taken care of? You know, uh, but, it well, it opens up pretty much. We'll, we'll get into that about, because it does ask those questions. Oh, it does. Absolutely. In, yeah. in um, uh, more and more as we go into it, right? But yeah, right now we're on, uh, here on the first episode, just, because the thing that motivates them to go there is that yeah. there's only five cops in the town, right? Uh, no, there's only four cops in the town. There used to be six. But two just died. Like, two died. Who um, are missing? Well, yeah. No, but I mean, no one thinks they're alive. They were caught in a flood. We are told that they were caught in a flood and, you know, their bodies haven't been found. But, you know, nobody survives getting swept away by a flood. So, yeah. So, yeah, it is completely reasonable to assume that the two cops are dead. And, spoiler alert, they are, in fact, dead. All right. So, then, this is the interesting thing, because Vince really can't work on the east coast anymore he's too well like he's too well known as we established in the fantasy version of romp like and i think that's based on a real thing there's nowhere he can go in new york where people don't know mr terranova you know like between the mob coverage between his time as a music producer between his time working with sonny steelgrave like everybody knows Vinny, right and so if you want him to do actual undercover work when he's pretending to be someone else, he's got to go to the West Coast. So this ends up being a perfect job for him. So he is established. He gets himself a legend. He is a former cop who is now a truck driver. And they put up a little uh, a sting to get him into town. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good scene. Which is a good scene. Yep. And he's driving a truck. Some guys try to repo it. Uh, he tries to fight them off with a baseball bat and everybody holds them in place. Uh, you know, <laughs> everybody, right, holds them in place to keep them from, uh, you know, to running off with his truck. And then, like, we'll just wait for the cops to get here. And notably, he meets uh, Rogo, right? Yeah, Who is the local newspaper man in Lynchboro. The the one newspaper man in Lynchboro who nobody's happy to have a, an independent press in Lynchboro. <laughs> yeah, it's about as uh it's as you know, it's about as popular as head lice as he describes something else. Uh <laughs> but yeah, and fun fact, um the actor who plays him, uh he is missing an arm and a leg. Uh and I right, he's missing an arm and a leg, and the actor who plays him, James Stacy, right? Uh yeah. is who Timothy Oliphant plays in the movie um once upon a time in hollywood the quentin tarantino movie uh and so they and he lost his arm and his leg in a motorcycle accident and as you can imagine that somewhat derailed his career yeah. <laughs> as as it would but he's in this and 
he does a fantastic job. And I mean, we can't even get into now just how yeah. great this actor does on this show. But it is. Yeah, we'll we'll, by we'll the talk time. about him in the later episodes. Yeah, there's not much of him for the first two episodes, but he becomes very important later. And it's a fantastic performance. Yes. Oh, God. Right. All right. So he get Vinny gets arrested and we meet the sheriff of the town. Yes. David Strathairn. David Strathairn. Oh, like fantastic actor, David Strathairn. Just like who who's better than David Strathairn? We've already talked about it the last episode going on and yeah. on and oxidizing about yeah. his his performances and all those oh, sorts God, of he's things. He's so good. And he always has been. Like it's just one of those like these performers that, you know, took a while before they got their due. Yeah. You know, age wise. They were like and he was already in his what, thirties before he started becoming notable at all. Uh, with sneakers and then he got a bunch of other jobs which thank god because he deserved it but yeah so he shows up and he deals with the uh the heist men who are of course actually fbi agents you know that's not uh that's not the the fake the fake repo men are of course actually fbi agents but he doesn't know any of that he deals with them he lets them take the truck and vince is stuck there Basically, with just thirty bucks and uh, a bag of clothes and his personal effects. Yep. And then pulling the con perfectly, mm-hmm. he of course calls to do a background check on Vinny, right? Because because uh, that's just what you do when you're a cop. He checks everybody out, and there's no record on the guy, but a little note to say call the uh, the head of some police department in New Jersey. Oh no, not New Jersey, Phil- um, uh, Pennsylvania. He says he's from Pennsylvania. And of course, you know, lifeguard answers the phone and spins some tale that has been, you know, written by a profiler to exactly make it sound like Vinny is perfect for this town. And profilers do have some use. Oh, absolutely. You want a psychologist hanging around. They're not good at catching people, but they're good at telling you why people do things. And what I love about it is that so he tells a story that he got fired from his job because he tuned up a punk kid who was whose dad was politically connected right and uh he didn't like you know some rich kid being able to get away with anything and the thing is it's like he it is the profilers correctly guessing that when you live in a town that is completely run forever by literally just one guy hearing a story about some punk rich kid who gets to do whatever he wants is going to piss you off a little. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's very well observed, because it's like the the backstory is there, because they say, oh, well, he gambles too much, and he's a little too friendly with the local uh, prostitutes, right? But the key part of the story, I mean, that's to make it seem like he'll fit into the town, because there's gambling, there's prostitution, people, again, it's the golden rule. People can do whatever they want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Right. And the the wonderful thing about the scene is the rest of the speech is entirely not meant to make him like uh, he'll fit into the town, but about making the sheriff sympathetic to him, because yes. obviously he's going to need some more guys since he just lost two officers. I mean, it's all a very good plan. And it works. And it works perfectly. They offer him a job. You want a job? Yeah. yeah. It's all yours. 
Uh, right. And then uh, we get uh, we do get a very funny scene because he gets hired and he does the right thing. And he um, even uh, expertly kisses up to David Strathairn. Right. Uh, by, you know, have a, by wearing a black armband for the two missing officers. Like he he does everything perfectly because, again, as we've talked about. Yeah. Vinny is is very good at his job by this point. Yeah. Like, he really is good at manipulating people by this point in the show. And again, that's a really nice touch, because that's consistent. That is consistent throughout the show, how good he has become at his job. And, but what does he end up doing? That's right. Running a speed trap. (laughs) And who does he catch in his speed trap? (laughs) Yes! He, uh... Oh, God. Yeah, he gets Frank. Frank comes to see him, and so he, like, hits up Frank for all the money he's got on him. Because, <laughs> he, you know, he needs to impress with his job at the speed track. He needs a couple of hundred bucks worth of uh, uh, speeding tickets. Because as he's told by the sheriff, right, You like, don't, uh, obviously you're not here to give tickets to people who live in Lynchboro. But, you know, people drive through all the time. Salesmen and whatnot are constantly driving through. So, you know. Like it's, uh, it's yeah, yeah, write them up. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yes. And yeah. the key element is if the boss drives by in his ridiculous European car, uh, yeah, speed limits. And again, just saying, speed limits don't actually affect him. And that's the key part to remember. It's like, yeah, um, in this kind of a place, laws are only for the little people. Yeah. Because that's how feudalism works. At the end of the day, laws are only for the little people. Laws are, to quote Albert, what powerful uh, people make to keep other people from taking their power away. Yeah, and yeah, and we will see the full extent. Like the funny thing is, is it sets up very. This this is an episode that sets everything up so nicely, very effectively. Yeah. That that it you 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 don't really know what's going on and, and you can make assumptions about this you know and you haven't got really a complete crew clue no. of what's going actually on. how the town is working yeah you know and we we get our next glimpse is this where we get Billy. Uh, yes, because uh, Vinny, at the end of the day, he's turned in a bunch of money, so everybody, yeah, so uh, the sheriff thinks he's doing a good job, and then when he goes to the bar to relax with everybody, uh, first off, uh, <laughs> Rogo sees him there and says, oh, all that stuff about you being, like, just a working class man trying to get by, turns out you're just another fascist. <laughs> <laughs> happy to, happy to, you know, take a paycheck for keeping people under the town's thumb. And so Rogo, very disappointed, understandably, in Vinny. Uh, and as they say, uh, and, and Vinny, and immediately, and again, it's a party he's playing, but he immediately uses the right ter- uh, term, right, to uh, to get him uh, other people on his side, or like the, the town line, which is, hey, you know, why don't you, uh, you're supposed to be a journalist, why don't you ever write anything good about the town, which is... You know, what all scumbags say about journalism? (laughs) Well, why don't you try writing something good? Because I'm paid to tell you when something's going wrong. So we can all do something about it. Jesus. 
This ain't that complicated. <laughs> but a lot of people don't understand or internalize that. Well, yeah, but you know, that that is the function of sort of this modern life because yeah. um, when muckraking became, well, not muckraking, but when all of this became, because you don't have local newspapers in the same way anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and even then, I mean, he was kind of, out of sync when I think you know your your local newspaper yes had the big stories and you could get the big stories from tv like the yeah. world stories but the local newspaper had everything you yeah. know like spelling bee results oh yeah school things and uh when the Kiwanis piano competitions came in all <laughs> the parts were there because exactly. I still have upstairs right yeah and and uh, the different bazaars they had, all of those things were in local newspapers. Yeah. Now I'm not too sure about how you would do that sort of in Lynchburg. I don't think they even want a newspaper in Lynchburg of any sort. Oh, in Lynchburg, uh, nope. In Lynchburg, no, because it is small. Um, you know, so but newspapers when you had a lot of newspapers and they could be sustained. Yeah. And you weren't looking for clickbait all the time because mm -hmm. there was one usually newspaper. Yeah. And chains just started buying them up. Um, yep. And they nationalized all the news. And so they stopped right, covering yeah. local stories. And yeah. as, as we say, like it is the best time in history to be a corrupt local politician because nobody's watching. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I mean, there was a CBC station. In yeah. There was now it's Sudbury, right? In case you're wondering why she's talking about this part, just to be clear, uh, Sheila's from the town Sault Ste. Marie, which, while it wasn't as insular as a Lynchboro, at the same time, is this kind of cloistered off, you know, one industry town. Yeah. You know, they had it's, the foundry, you know, they had the, they steel had the steel mill. mill, right? They had the steel mill and they have the locks. And that's kind of it. You know, and Even everything today, else is in support of that. Exactly. It, so, yeah, it, she knows it, from whence she speaks when it comes to Lynchboro. Well, when I talk about it, well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it is just we do have elections and we do vote for people. Of course. But I will tell you, I mean, part of what happens in small towns is that basically when somebody gets into a position, they will stay in the position until they want to leave. Yep. They ha I mean, I. I mean, I'm trying to think about, I mean, every now and then we have, like, we did have somebody uh, who was the mayor who didn't get reelected, but that person was female, Ooh. you know? So I would say, and I think the only female mayor that I can think of we've ever had in Sault Ste. Marie, and she did a good job. There was nothing wrong with the job. That was what my sister said. Well, I don't understand why she didn't get reelected. I said, she? <laughs> Kind of right there in the question. Uh, you found the answer right there in your question. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, in, that, in that sense, it is, I mean, people might argue with me. It's just like, you know, the town doesn't, isn't, isn't racist. Yeah. They've had yeah. to deal with some of that now. Um, if there's one thing the internet has done, hmm. it has shown people that in Sault Ste. Marie, we are not immune to all of those problems. Nope. And 
to a large extent, you know, but it's, it's the town where, yes, there might be this underbelly, but nobody and everybody might know that it exists, <laughs> you know, but um, in the Nobody's town, I talk about it. And I can remember talking, you know, to, uh, uh, and people don't know about this. And there was this, this one lawyer. Well, I mean, he was the mob lawyer in town and owned the, I, people in the town would know who I'm talking about if they're of a certain age. Mm-hmm. And um, now he did turn his life around and got out of that business. And I guess has been making amends ever since well, that's for the good. rest of his life. But it was funny because somebody he's doing, Oh, I said, Oh, really? I said, he's, he's the lawyer involved in this. And I, I was just a little surprised he was even still alive. I think was more to the point. And I said, yeah, you know, he used to run the, the strip clubs in town and stuff. And God, this because the, spike. because the mob needs a clean name to sit on a, uh, yeah, you know, and he was, he, well, he was the lawyer, right? Yeah. No, that's and, the thing. That's, but that's what being a mob lawyer is. They need a, a, out of the business name to put on all of the legal documents for their money laundering. Well, and, and what was interesting, right. And I said, yeah, and the drugs were run out of X restaurant in town. Uh, recently, definitely, was, definitely, don't say the name of that restaurant. We don't want to get sued. Back, well, was, well, this is way back when it doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, okay. Um, and the Grand Hotel, the drug, eh, drugs, prostitution, everything was run out of that. Well, it's been torn down, right? Mm-hmm. So, it was um, a weird uh, building, the Grand Hotel. Well, yes. Anyway, building. Yes. Well, you know. I know. I but, it, well, but it was a place to go for. Sometimes for lunch. Oh, like okay. it was a, and it was across from the lot was. Never mind. <laughs> don't want to, you know. I mean, but the point is, like, we know about this is, kind of small town. Is our point? Like, it's it, 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 it. This episode, this arc speaks to us for a very specific reason. Yeah. Well, and what I would say is that it's a small. It's a one. It's a one horse town, as mm-hmm. as the title goes. Because it's not just because it's run by one person. It's because there's one business. Yep. He, now, now the only thing I will say is that he thinks, as we find out in this episode, basic, I think it's this episode we do find out, right? You know, I mean, they have the schools, they have, they have everything. Yep. But all of this is taken care of, and uh, so therefore he is funneling money back into the town. He is living high off the hog. Yeah, of course. In some ways, well, you know, and spending. But money he does the- think of him. But at the key. The, and we'll talk about this as we get to know more about the character. And it's yeah. Steve Ryan playing him. And this is the the guy who was in the the one from, as I was talking about last week, the one from Crime Story who never got a story of his own. Uh, you know, yeah. they, they make it up to him by giving him one of the finest characters to play that the show has ever had. And one of the weirdest. The one of the weirdest. Has, oh, yeah. one of the weirdest characters this show has ever had. So, to jump back slightly before we started explaining what Sault Ste. Marie was like. Uh, <laughs> Vinny's in the bar. You know, he gets called a fascist. He does the whole, you know, why don't you run something nice about the town? Blah, 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 blah. And then there's a big uh, hassle going on across the street in the in the the Corvette Club. Yes. Right? The, local, the local brothel. The local brothel, right? Yeah. Where a guy is uh, attacking his you know, former girlfriend who has joined the brothel and is going to be uh, 
inaugurated that night because in a very creepy thing that, you know, makes it feel all the more like a feudal, uh, like a feudal nightmare, the, the guy who basically owns the town gets, gets the first crack at all of the new ladies working there. And then he buys them a Corvette. And that's why it's called the Corvette Club. Have you had your Corvette yet? <laughs> exactly. Like he, uh, and that's the thing. It's like, and does he automatically go with every woman? No, but he, you know, what do you call it? He'll eventually get around to them and then they get a Corvette. And that's how they know that, you know, they've been inaugurated into the private Corvette club, even within the, uh, the, uh, the overall, um, uh, brothel. I keep struggling on the word brothel for reasons I don't understand. Uh, yes. Yeah. For some reason, the word brothel just never comes to my mind. Anyway, the point is, uh, Vinny beats the, like, clubs the guy, sends him, uh, you know, gets him out of there, gets him away from the girls, uh, clubs him in the face, and arrests him. And the sheriff lets him go. Sheriff's like, he's just, you know what? He's like, it's just hard for kids. Uh, it's hard for a kid like that. Football star thinks he's got the world on a string. And then his girl throws him over to work at the uh, <laughs> the local brothel. It's too hard for his ego and he acts out. He's like, this isn't the first time it's happened. It's not going to be the last time it's happened. And so he's like, it's not a bit. And fundamentally, the sheriff doesn't take it seriously. And, and this is the key part, Vinny, however, does take it seriously. One hundred percent, Vinny takes this seriously, and so he goes and he follows Bobby, and Bobby goes up to the uh, mansion that Mark lives in, and it's uh, Gorislava, which I'm sure is a reference. You know, I'm sure the yeah. fact that he calls the uh, that he calls his mansion Gorislava is a reference to something, but I've never Gorislava. looked it up. No, it's probably I, for I, the movie, right? Yeah, it's probably the town or whatever that, that the movie is set, set in. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to watch the movie after we're done, Wise Guy, and report uh, to oh, back to you about we it. Have to watch well, we absolutely that. have to watch the movie, finally. Come on. Anyway, and the reason we're talking about this movie is this movie is... It's strange, like... And this is where the show gets so strange. Because Mark gets such an amazing introduction. Like, again, we kind of got an introduction. We saw him speeding by in his, uh, in the, you know, the sports car that was talked about. That's a bit of an introduction. But his real introduction comes in this scene where Vinny, you know, uh, where Bobby's going to shoot him through a window and Vinny grabs him. And we're introduced to Mark in an otherwise, like, pitch black room. With a giant big screen showing some black and white movie on it, as Mark glides around the room on roller skates, and there is like two feet of fog at the bottom of the room, so you can't see his feet, so it just looks like he's floating, which is why he keeps the fog. <laughs> to make him seem like an otherworldly figure. <laughs> It is so bonkers, this character's introduction. 
So you set the mood. Yeah, you man, you have set the mood for how crazy this show is going to get, and it's only going to get crazier from here. Oh. And so uh, he yells at Vinny and tells him to get rid of Bobby. Right? Uh, it's like tells Vinny that he already screwed up by letting him get this close, which honestly is kind of true. You wait until he was actually pointing a gun at the guy before you arrested him. Come on, Vinny. Uh, but yeah, like Mark's not completely wrong about that. Oh, so he's like, uh, get get this guy out of here. Get rid of him. And uh, Vinny's like, well, I just got myself an opportunity. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what an opportunity. So he grabs Bobby, takes him down to Frank. He uh, says, I need you to make this kid disappear for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and Bobby is begging Frank not to kill him. Frank's like, oh, God. <laughs> Such a good scene. And so Vinny's plan is he goes and he just grabs a side of beef. Right? He grabs a side of beef using his, like, cop passkey. He grabs a side of beef down from the grocery store. He uses his passkey to go into the uh, the funeral home. And he cremates the side of beef. <laughs> and he delivers it. To, and then he delivers an urn full of ashes to Mark. And says that he killed Bobby. <laughs> Mark's oh. like, what? Oh, that's not what I that's meant. That's not what I meant. And, like, Mark is... Like, horrified by this. <laughs> he has a moment of being absolutely terrified and horrified. And again, it's Steve Ryan puts in such a good performance in this episode. Because the moment after he's just terrified that Vinny has done this, he's like, he remembers that he's supposed to be the guy in charge of the town. Uh-huh. And he can't ever seem like he doesn't know what he's talking about or not in charge. So he's like, so he immediately composes himself and he's like, I, I appreciate that you showed initiative, but maybe we shouldn't, we should be clearer about our language in the future. So if I ever want you to, <laughs> to do, you know, like, um, like Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> um, I will use the word merit. merit. <laughs> and that's, that's how you'll know. <laughs> it's so good. Uh-huh. I I don't want you to yeah, so Merrick. Anybody. No more, no more Merrick. Merrick. Like I appreciate <laughs> that you showed initiative, but for now, no more, no more Merrick. <laughs> and and so they've established that it's like, yeah. So this guy really isn't. He might not be that bad. And as as we'll say in the next episode, he's, uh, <laughs> like. He didn't immediately fire Vinny or call the cops, but at the same time, he was obviously freaked out at the concept of murder. But at the same time, like, this is his town. Yeah, it's his town, his land, his rules. Yeah, so maybe he is allowed to kill people. It's not something he'd ever really thought about before, but now he's actually forced to think, am I am I allowed to kill people? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Not, not right well, now. Not right now. But it's like, he now, that is, an, an extra tool has been added, you know, to his <laughs> his toolbox of ways he can run the town. Maybe I can just kill people. <laughs> so yeah, again, and it's a magnificent performance by Steve Ryan, because he goes from so terrified to trying to navigate this situation that is completely foreign to him. <laughs> yeah, really, really good performance. Really good scene. And then we wrap up the episode. 
because oh, we have Vinny has set his cover and he specifically we know that he set his color uh cover well and got in with Mark because Mark says keep this just between us. Yes. And you you will come and watch the movie once. And you will come and watch the movie with me. <laughs> well, and what I love about the the scene where he comes and sees uh comes to turn over the the body, right? Well, the I say body. The urn. What I love about it is he's Vinny just walks right into the house and he's just sitting in his bed, you know, just sitting in his bed watching the movie. And he's so happy because he had been yelled like he had. The, we were introduced by him yelling at Vinny for screwing up his job. But it's like he's not an angry or really that controlling person most of the time. He's happy just hanging out in his house and watching this movie. And when Vinny comes to see him and drop off the body, like whatever, however mad he was at Vinny over letting Bobby in, all of that has been completely forgotten. Like it's a weird character. And he's just, he's just a happy guy watching a movie the next time we see him. And you're like, what's going on with this guy? And that's why it makes him such a strange and interesting character. Cause for the longest time, you really don't know what's going on with mark it's virtually not till the end yeah only right at the end do you really figure out what mark's yeah. deal is sure. yeah yes. so, so we'll move along we'll move along now to the, the second episode right which starts with uh church as you know the town oh, shows oh. up for church and Vinny, of course is last one there <laughs> He suddenly realizes, yeah, I guess I got to show up to church. Yeah, I too. guess I got to show up for church. And right after church is... The fight. The slugfest, which is where this town stuff gets... Where feudalism and, you know, patriarchy and toxic masculinity all gets rolled into one. Because I every Sunday two guys are supposed to beat the hell out of each other to see who the champ is. And no one is considered to be like a man unless they've done this. Yes. In they the don't country. have to win to they be don't a have man. To win. But they they have just to have to put it. up a good fight. They have to do yeah. it. And so like a guy in charge, like the, the reigning champion is the guy in charge of disposing of shavings at the factory. And Donnie, the youngest of the uh, sheriff's deputies, is the guy trying to prove himself. And he doesn't do a good job. He is he is not ready for this at all. Like Donnie seems like a likable enough guy, but he is he is not ready for the kind of fight the guy puts up. And he gets beaten to hell to the point where Vinny actually has to step in and stop the fight because he's worried about Donnie being permanently injured by how badly he's getting beaten up. And this, of course, pisses off Mark. <laughs> As you would. This is like a sacrament of the town. It's all part of how he runs things. And so he send, send, tells Vinny to just go back to the office. And he takes he takes Donnie for a walk down by the river to tell him how things work in town. And say that, you know, don't worry about it. We'll get you in. A, I'll make sure you get another fight. You can prove yourself. And it's it's so sad because Donnie, like everyone in the town, has been brainwashed to the point where he basically lives for this man's approval. You know, and they all seem to feel this way. Like this man has, they've all bought into this myth that Volchek's have to run the town. Right. And that's like, and your, 
your value in the town is whatever Mark Volchek tells you your value in the town is. And it's it's strange how much it's been internalized by everyone. But I would say it's realistic. Because they're trying to make a comment about, you know, specifically in this case, capitalism. But this is how human systems have worked for how long? Yeah. You know, that there's a guy in charge who decides what your value is. And whether that's a priest, you know, whether that's a chieftain or whether that's your boss at your job, we're all expected to be under somebody's thumb in this way. And the fact that they make it this, you know, that it is directly part of the Sunday thing, it is as much as part of Sunday celebrations as churches ties a religious aspect into it as well, I believe. And Donnie, and Donnie, and Donnie gets get gets the Sunday special at the brothel. Yeah, well, of course. On Volchek. On Volchek. Well, because he put up a good fight. Well, it's not just that he put up a fight. It was that Vinny dis did yeah, Vinny ruined everybody's and day. that was yeah. the problem. Yeah, it's it spoiled his chances to prove himself. Yes. And that's and that's what, you know, why the Donnie thing is so sad in a way because it's like all he wants is to prove himself you know mm -hmm. he's the youngest one in the team and he's, he doesn't feel like a man and this is the only way he can and Vinny took that from him it's i mean it's it's all good it's all a really good scene which is followed up immediately by donnie finding two corpses in the river because yeah. they walked by down by the river to have this conversation and what's down in the river oh it's the two cops only they weren't uh, washed away in a flood, as we were told. We don't find out for a little while exactly what killed them, but the bodies are sure as hell tied together and weighed down. Yep. So somebody killed them. Yeah, and so that begins... Uh, it, it, it really was um, yep. the most... It's jarring. Yeah. Party. It's very jarring. You don't expect this. Yes, the deputies have disappeared. Yeah. And you, you, get, you, uh, you assume there's going to be a story there. but And then David Strathairn has a complete breakdown. Breakdown. Yeah, he's just... Runs into the river and is crying over his deputies. And is, like, unable to function almost. And now Mark is in trouble because, like, he's specifically pissed at Vinny. But at the same time, he doesn't, like... The, the sheriff department is STEM, you know, <laughs> David Strathairn, yeah. and three kids who don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, God. And so, so Vinny's got to be put in charge of the investigation. Right? Uh, Vinny's going to be put in charge of the investigation. And they're, like, terrified that they're going to have, lose control of the town. But uh, because it's like, well, if, if cops are getting killed, state police are going to come in and they're going to start tearing apart the town. Yeah. So what the hell are we supposed to do? But Vinny has an idea. Yeah, Vinny has a yeah. federal cop in his yeah. pocket. He has a federal cop in his pocket. He's got a good friend of his who's a fed. And so I can just call in this fed and he'll keep the thing on lockdown. <laughs> and we can just keep bring the town the for the town. He'll bring a pathologist. He'll bring a pathologist. Uh, and then you get, oh, such a good scene with... Um, with David Strathairn, you know, talking about how, like, he wanted to go on vacation to Copenhagen with the guys and, and like, sitting in the car and staring at their bodies and just unable to function. Like, it's, 
He's fantastic. He's, yeah, yeah, he yeah, he's completely broken down. Yeah, he has completely he just broken doesn't down. Doesn't know what to do. Um, and he doesn't like that Vinny has been put in charge. Nope. And Mark does explain to him. Yeah. That look, you have to take some time. These were your guys, and you. You you are not handling it. Well. Yeah, you are not Stop. handling yourself, and I can't have a broken down wreck, you know, in charge of this investigation. Yeah, and then we get something really fun, which is uh, something I haven't seen a ton of in TV, and it has it is a one hundred percent accurate uh, depiction of some of the minutia of police work because we see Donnie managing a team of volunteers wading through this freezing river looking yeah. for any piece of evidence they can find and like picking up finding a badge and finding bullets from their belts and finding like little things and tossing them on the side of the river and i'm like yeah that's a nice little touch and then mark gets the call that frank has made it to town and he again reinforcing the feudal aspect rides out to see frank on his horse <laughs> Because he gets around on horseback. He either gets around on a <laughs> fancy Italian sports car or on horseback. <laughs> and uh, explain to Frank how things work in this town. Exactly. And it's like, we want to keep a lid on this, right? And he essentially tells Frank, you know, um, we don't even, you know, it's like, <laughs> we just need to keep things quiet and we need this wrapped up as quickly as possible. <laughs> I want my town to be happy. Yeah. You know? It's like okay. And then we get a scene with uh Frank and Rogo and the sheriff talking about uh the situation. Rogo is obviously complaining about how this is, you know, it was fine when this was just a town being run for one man, but now like there's murders happening. This has to be taken seriously. We have to yeah. bring in <laughs> we have to bring in professionals. <laughs> Yeah. And it it's a good scene. And then, you know, he dares he dares the sheriff to punch him. <laughs> he dares the sheriff to punch him. And uh what you'll might have noticed is that like Vinny doesn't have any lines in this scene. No. Has and for some reason Vinny has no lines in this scene and appears in a single shot. There's going to be an explanation for that later. But if you're watching the scene, you're like, why doesn't Vinny speak in this scene? Yeah, there's a reason. There is yeah. actually a reason for that. Uh, then we go down to the bar where Mark is uh, trying to hold court and explain that everything is going to be fine. And then the FBI, sh and it's like Vinny and uh, Frank sh walk in. <laughs> and, yeah, give him just as much backup as he needs. And you see that what I love about this scene, right? And you tell me your thoughts is they managed to write Mark in such a way that it's like, he's the best possible version of a feudal Lord. Yeah. He lives high in his mansion. Right. Yes. But at the same time, he is 100% comfortable just like coming down to the bar and talking to everyone. And he can relate to these people because like, uh, at the end of the day, and I mean, this actually did happen in several feudal situations. There were plenty of like feudal lords who, I mean, not plenty, but enough who would take the side of their own people against a king from time to time. Because at the end of the day, 
if you're a feudal yes. lord, not a king, you live with these people. Yes. And and just remember that, you know, we did get the Magna Carta. But exactly. <laughs> Which is literally all the feudal lords getting together and saying the king doesn't control everything. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. yeah. Well, what this is, he is the he is an arch, archetypical benevolent dictator. Oh, absolutely. So you don't even think he's a dictator. He just sort of works everything for everybody's own good. So well, to he's speak. everyone's dad. And that's how he thinks yes. of himself. And that's how this town has always been run. It's like people need to be managed and they need someone like me to tell them what to do and blah, 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 like all of that crap. That is that is at the core of this benevolent idea of the patriarchy. You know, it's like yeah. you just need a man in charge to run things. And if without that man in charge, everything gets too chaotic and too, you know, and no one's really happy with freedom. Uh, it's all of these times, all of these ways, you know, the leeches use to justify why they need to get paid, you know, <laughs> yeah. why they need to not have to work for a living and ev and take a cut of what everybody else makes. And if you think I'm getting too political about this. Wait until you see what the show has to say about all of this stuff. When we get, yeah, when we get <laughs> to the end of this arc. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's get back to yeah, what is key about this episode. Okay. Keep going. All right. So uh, he has the scene. He, everyone's scared, obviously, and he does a great yeah. job of calming them down. Right. And so Vinny, uh, you know, goes to see somebody. And Frank heads uh, uh, is going up to Goroslava with Mark to watch the movie and talk. Because everybody comes and watches the movie. And then Frank gets a phone call. And it turns out the marks on the body are familiar. Yep. Turns out the two cops were killed by the stun gun killer who has killed a dozen women around Seattle. And, uh, and when we find out, it's over 40 women. Yeah, well, later we'll find out. Later, later we'll later find out. But it's like... Right now, they've got, I think, eight. They've got like eight bodies or something. Yeah, and, of women. Eight yeah. women, so this makes ten. This makes ten victims on this guy. And we later find out it's like 40. Uh, but the key part is, this is all based on the Green River Killer, who was active at the time yes. that this was being written. Right? And uh, this guy uses a modified stun gun to murder women with uh, his stun gun. And then, of course... The, the sexual assault is implicit here, explicit later. Yes. Uh, right. And we'll, whew, we'll get to that. Uh, as we all know. We'll uh, get yeah, to that. as you and I know, and anybody else who's ever watched this knows. I know. Um, yeah, this episode was, Oof. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's powerful. Oh. So they, they have so to. So he goes up, and, and so, you know, Frank's terrified because it's like, well, Mark's a weirdo, and Mark's in charge of the town. Could Mark be the killer? Yeah, I hope you're not sitting with the killer. <laughs> but, and Frank <laughs> also tells him that there are a four, there's a 40-man team yeah. on its way to Lynchboro. Yeah. Because... This is a huge <laughs> FBI deal. Not yeah. only that, but clearly, right? Clearly... Yeah. All of these seem to well, we do see the map a few minutes later. Okay, yeah. so this no, 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 wait, but before before okay. that oh. happens, it is worth mentioning that before Frank even finds out the task force is on the way, we do get a scene of Frank at Goroslava watching the movie. 
mm-hmm. and just like sitting there absolutely baffled by what he is doing. Yes. And looking and it's like uh, sitting in this weird high back leather chair while Mark again roller skates around the room and Frank just looks massively and uncomfortable. Him, and gets him chocolate. And gets him chocolate. Gets him hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. It can be cold. He's got all of that mist on everywhere. It gets cold up. Oh there. yes, that's yes. Okay, yes. Then then he then calls he gets the call. Uh, yeah. He gets the call about the task force and tells Mark about the task force coming. Yeah. And here is where the show gets weird and you start seeing the problem. <sighs> Basically, all right. Uh we next find out that like Vinny has decided that Mark is the killer. Yeah. And he's rushing up there with the sheriff and the woman who runs the uh, the, brothel. the brothel to confront Mark about it. Yeah. Right? And you'll notice that Lacey, who runs the brothel, has not actually had a proper introduction as a character yet. Oh, I know. And there's a reason for that that I'll explain in a second. And you might be wondering, who is Lacey? Why is Vinny, like, because Vinny went off to talk to her, and yeah. we've obviously missed a scene, so she didn't get a character introduction. We don't know why uh, Vinny is now so, so certain that Mark must be the killer. Like, and so this scene seems very odd, like, we have missed a huge segment. And so then Vinny comes up, and he confronts Mark, and he says, uh, you know, there's a killer in your town. And Mark says, okay, well then... Let's deal with it. Yeah, I don't want the task force in my town. Yeah, I don't want the task force in my town. Let's deal with this thing. We have to do this tonight. We have to figure out who's done it tonight. And then they all go back to the police station. But before we go back to the police station, we have the scene of him absolutely just being brutal to the sheriff. Yeah. Being so cruel to the sheriff because he's just like, uh, essentially says to the sheriff, you had one job. You were supposed to keep a lid on this town. How have you screwed up so badly? And we find out because earlier when Vinny came in, he had seen this model of a giant building in Mark's house. And now we find out what that's about is they're planning. He wants a big hospital for Lynchburg. Like he wants yeah. a real hospital. And he talks about how that's all going to be endangered, right? That is all going to fall apart if, you know, this serial killer isn't dealt with immediately, which, you know what? That's a reasonable thing to think. Yeah. If people start looking at this town too hard, they might not be able to get a license to have a hospital. Oh my God. And so now we get the key scene of the whole episode, which is the profiling scene. Yeah. Uh, which, so much. which is uh, no i mean as i said the only the only time profiling really can work yeah but it, it is i mean and and uh rogan is there rogo yeah, rogo shows rogo. up everybody's, everybody's there. there right and and he he stomps in mm-hmm. and you know mark stomps in and says i'm going to take over this this investigation, investigation. We're going to have this guy hogtied at the edge of town by the time the task force gets task here. Force gets here. Right? <laughs> such a funny says, line. Frank says, okay, well, yeah, okay, go ahead. Why not give it a shot? Yeah. Why not give it a shot? What and the this, hell? And then you get this fantastic scene of 
Um, because uh, if you listen to our episodes, I mean, I don't know, maybe you're just here to talk about Wise Guy. That's fine. Uh, but if you listen to our conversations about the show uh, Unsub, yeah. we talked about how there are really just two facets to profiling. One is the psychological trying to understand how somebody thinks. And the other half of it, arguably the most important fact is demographics. Yeah. It's looking at the history of what kind of person is serial killer is a serial killer, and then just using a demographic breakdown to find out who fits your existing profile. Now, the problem with this is plenty of people are going to fit your existing <laughs> profile who aren't serial killers, and yeah. you can end up putting innocent people in jail, and John Douglas did that one time. So yeah. that's... Oh, yeah. It's not But, here, but yeah. here, it could actually work because you're dealing with a man who literally does know everybody in town. Yeah, there's ten thousand, approximately ten thousand people in town. Yeah, and he knows everybody. So fifteen thousand. Fifteen. Oh no, there's thirty thousand, but you can cut out oh. all the women immediately because it's yeah, definitely not a woman, woman doing this. So you're down to fifteen right away. It's not going to be old. It's not going to be the. Ch it's not going to be a really old person because he overpowered two cops. It's not going to be a child. So you can take another five thousand out there. So right, and as he says, like we've you know it's been under a minute and we've cut the list down to a third. <laughs> we're down to five actually yeah. he ends up within a minute down to five thousand exactly down to five thousand people right so of course they're gonna he's like of course they're gonna be able to solve this and he said the key part is like this guy's killing people in seattle who in this town ever like who ever leaves lynchboro yeah he breaks he breaks it down before that though yeah oh no he does right? he does because you get the great scene where he's talking about, and I mean, we can always just like put a link to this scene again because it's so beautiful. Yeah, uh, we have it on YouTube. Yeah, we have it on YouTube. So, you know, we can obviously yeah. always just link to it again because it's such a beautiful scene. And as he said, uh, you get the wonderful, um, uh, did uh, eldest son, is he smart? Did he go to college? And as he said, like, uh, uh, we're cro if it, if he went to college, we're crossing a big line because college is as popular as dentistry around here. <laughs> so I think he gets down to about 300. Exactly. And then he just says, start and making then. some calls. And in the background, Stemmer, you know, the sheriff hasn't been useful at all. Hasn't been contributing. Hasn't been saying anything. He's just been like flipping through things and then distracting people by tearing off pieces of duct tape in the background <laughs> just being weird in the background while you're having this wonderful scene with frank and mark and by the way Vinny's not saying anything Vinny doesn't have a line in this scene no nope. they just cut to him for reaction shots yeah and well i'll explain that <laughs> in a second it keeps, but yes, yeah. so he sit down and the big deal then is who, so they start talking about who travels. Yeah, who travels. And there are certain people uh, on a on a consistent basis because this is happening all the time, mm -hmm. even with only these only eight cases, these eight women. That's still, right? a, that's still eight trips out of Lynchboro. How yeah, many and, people do that? Yeah, and because Lynchboro is the pin, it's emanating out of Lynchboro yeah. is what the FBI says. Has decided. And we haven't talked. Where is the? We haven't talked. Where is the def, the the analysis? Oh no, the analysis of the movie is the next. episode. That's the next episode. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about okay. that next so week. So we'll we'll get we'll do this one. 
right? Yeah. So he he just breaks it down, and then he asks Rogo. Yeah. You know, he says, "But Rogo, who you know? Who you know? Who people goes who, who like, goes up to whatever town it is? I can't remember. Yeah. Who's who's leaving At town? Us. Yeah. Who's who's on a regular basis? And he's like, just he Mark. Looks, no, but, no. But first he says Mark, and then he looks at the sheriff. And then he looks at the sheriff. He looks at him. And then David Strathairn gets to go for his Emmy scene. Yes. <laughs> Damn. Can you what believe, like, what a oh. speech. And the, well, um, oh, But wow. I like him. And how did they ever think they could go to Copenhagen? I just like, <laughs> yes, if they didn't like Portland, how are they going to enjoy, how are they going to go to Copenhagen if they Copenhagen. don't even like Portland? Yeah. And, you know, and well, you know, it was okay. Like, cause they picked up some women, a woman, you know, a, a, woman. a blonde, as he said. Yeah. And, 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 and they were fine with the, the first you know, part. With, the, with the, yeah, having sex, sex with them and stuff, but you know, they really didn't seem to understand, the you know, when, when the next part, when I, I taste them and, you know, and the look on their faces and, you know, and they, they just were, and, yeah. you know, and I just didn't understand it. I just wanted them to share with me. He wanted to share what he loved with his best friends. And the problem is he's a serial killer. Yeah. He's a serial killer. Wow. And this is when we learned, that he's killed over 40 women. Yeah. Oh my God, that scene. And as he's, and by the way, kind of an indictment of the whole culture of policing generally and specifically in this town, that they were fine with a gang rape. But when it came to serial killing, well, that was a bridge too far for these guys. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, cops, man. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but what's funny about it is like, he does this wonderful monologue and it just yep. goes on and on. It's so beautiful. And it ends with him having rigged a thing to force his modified, uh, like he has tied his own arm, yeah. uh, to the taser and with a rope around his neck. So as his muscle contracts from the shock, it'll just pull the taser closer to his neck. And so he kills himself with his own modified taser after saying to Mark that I would never do anything to risk the hurt. hospital. I would yeah. never do anything to hurt the hospital. Because that's the thing that has clearly thrown him over the edge is Mark's disapproval. Is Mark screaming at him. And I mean, he knows that he's going to get caught too, but Mark's disapproval yeah. has really, as much as he, you know, did not like living under Mark's yoke at the same time. Look at his reaction to Mark screaming at him. Yeah. It's still when you've lived in this town under these people, your whole life, it goes deep. Wanting goes their deep approval because, goes deep. Because if he was just worried about getting caught, he would have ran. Yep. No, right. He would have run, no. I guess. And that would have, could have damaged the town. Yes. And running he can't do that. Or running would have damaged the town. So he wraps it all up in a nice little package by killing himself. Yep. Oh. It's such oh. a good scene. Yeah. No, it I mean, how he explains all this, it's like he's 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 explaining everything and he's talking to himself. Because the thing that is kind of sent him at the beginning is that he could kill all these women and it didn't bother him in the least. Yeah. But, killing his friends yeah. was a big problem it's haunted him since 
Yes, and he missed them. Yes. <laughs> no, and you just yeah, completely. He's, he's such a like he's such a pathetic figure, and he's such a monstrous figure at the same time. And you can you know you can partially. Uh, you can partially put it down to the context in which he lives and the way women are treated in a patriarchal feudal society. Well, yeah, yeah 18-year-old girls, they get to go into the brothel. And yeah, it's the a minute they turn 18, deal. they're allowed to join the brothel. And it's a big deal. I mean, that's what we haven't talked about. It's a big deal for these girls. Poor yeah. Bobby. Yeah. You know, it's a big, it's a badge of honor for these girls. And then when, when they age out, yeah. Right, they go and they get married, they and they and have they children, have kids, yeah. and 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 everything else, and they live in this town, and there's no stigma attached to it. Yep. This is just what when you get finish high school, this is one of your one clear of your good options. options, yeah. Because there's lots of money in it. Yep, and you get treated well, and you will be retired with a pension, essentially. <laughs> yes, right? by the time you're thirty, they pray. Let's be honest, twenty five. <laughs> yeah. In this town? It's yeah, because good, there's yeah. lots of them. Because yeah. hmm, there's lots of them, uh, lots of new girls coming in all the time. Yeah. It's uh, it's magnificent how well they set up, like, the kind of context where he could yeah. wind up this kind of a monster. Because it's all consistent with the kind of town they're living in. And so, yeah. now we have to get to what happens. They have, they show Vinny uh, freaking out yeah. when he sees the burning and flashing back to the time... Uh, Sonny killed himself well, with electricity. It's, it's the same thing. It's right? the exact it's same thing of him killing himself instead of being taken in. And he runs out. And he jumps into a car, he steals Frank's car, and he drives away. Uh, screaming about how he has no authority here. And if that sounds familiar to you, there's a reason for that. The line he screams as he's running to the car isn't a line Kenwall is saying. It is a looped line of dialogue from way back in the Prophet arc. Because yeah. now we're going to explain why Vinny's not in this episode. Kenwall quit the show while this episode was shooting. And that's just that's just a fact. He quit. He's no, like, yeah, I'm he not quit. doing this anymore. I'm not. He, he just flat out quit the show while he was shooting this episode. And so they had a half-finished episode, and they had no idea what to do with it. Like, they were just, they were as screwed as anybody has ever been screwed making a TV show, because their star ran out of them halfway through an episode at the start of an arc. And they were like, what the hell are we supposed to do now? Yeah. And they ended up cutting a deal with, and who the hell knows how the rest of the season was originally supposed to play out. I have no idea how the, and I mean, I would love to be able to interview Frank Lupo and find out how the hell the rest of this show was, season was originally supposed to play out. But so the introduction of the woman who, the madam of the brothel, that was supposed to be in this episode. The whole thing about suspecting Mark, that was supposed to be an episode. There was supposed to be scenes with Vinny and the sheriff set it more clearly setting up that the sheriff was going to wind up being responsible. Like all that was supposed to happen this episode. None of it got shot. Basically, Vinny just shot the scene where he goes to confront Mark and the scene in the car and the scene, you know, at the, the church and the slugfest. And he didn't, sh and everything else they did pickups later. Yeah. Uh, because, and 
they essentially said to, they went to Ken Wall, his management and the producers, and they said, you can't just quit the show. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. And essentially they made a deal where they would finish the Lynchboro story arc without him. If he came back, they would figure out another story arc to end the season on. And he would come back for that, but he would get like a month off to get his head straight. Yeah. And they would finish the story arc without him. And they would find a way to do that. And I mean, we'll just tell you in a second how they did it. But yeah, so whenever you see Vinny in this episode, like it is just a a reshoot of them, essentially. The, the reason he's not with anybody for the whole episode is that they've te- taken Ken Wall later and stowed him in front of a set to just film some reaction shots a couple of weeks later before it aired. Mm-hmm. So it is, the episode's a mess because of that. I mean, it's an incredible episode entirely because of this scene uh, at the end of it. Yes. And that saves the entire uh, episode. It's such a good scene. Yeah, I think it's I not. agree. It saves the whole episode. It's oh, yeah. exactly I mean, insane. that's it. You well, know, it's, it's just leading up to but it. But honestly, if you didn't, if this scene wasn't there, you would notice Vinny's absence more than you do. Because it's like, yeah. he's not in any scenes in the whole middle of the episode. From the middle on. Yeah, from the middle I mean, on. He's just nowhere. Like, Vinny yeah. is not... It's all just Frank and Mark for the whole rest of the episode. And you're like, that's weird. But you don't really think about it because you watch this ending and then Vinny leaves. And then you go back and you find out later, like, oh, no, he had a breakdown and he quit the show. And they do literally the only thing they can do. And I can't believe they did this. And we'll talk about it more next week. But I mean, when I tell you the title of the next episode you have to watch, you're going to know. So I'm not just going to tell you now. They called up William Russ. William Russ! And said, do you want to bring Roger back? Yeah. Just for a few episodes. Yeah. Just for a couple of episodes. You come back. Roger comes back. You finish out. You do all the stuff Vinny was supposed to do. And you become, you become, yes, you become the key. And and of course they have to reshape it. Well, they have to reshape the story, obviously. Yeah, because Roger isn't Vinny. (laughs) So they have to reshape the story. And we'll talk about how they reshape the story and whether it works or not. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, just be blown away by what a good job they managed to do on the episode where their star quit. It is a testament to the, you know, the quality of showrunners that this thing had, like the quality of writers and producers and hell, editors, that they managed to pull this off the way they did. Well, and what I will tell you again, it comes to consistency of writing room and consistency of even the editing. Yeah. Right. You have you have a consistent editing room and they know. Therefore, if you have a consistent editing room and it's not just thrown in like editors are yeah. not real people, right? Yeah. Um, the editors will know sort of what the flow is supposed to be and yeah, how it's it supposed, supposed to, to feel work. Like. And so then they have to, you know, and okay, where do we need to loop and where do we need to mm-hmm. And how can a, we find how can we find a line of dialogue? Yeah, but it's and like it, the fact that he quit the show and all they could get him to do was just run out of a door and run off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. It's 
Yeah, the behind-the-scenes stuff in this show are kind of bonkers. Well, yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and it is it is kind of, all I can say is, and it's never been, I don't think from anything Ken Wall has ever said, it's not really clear. I assume he had a, a, a breakdown. Yeah. Not clear why. Well, I have to assume it had to do with his continuing health issues. Well, yes, but they were continuing and ongoing. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to say I know this for a fact, but if the two of us were told he was taking pills, like, my guess would be that he was taking pills for the pain and it created Mm -hmm. a toxic mental state and this was the end result of that. Yeah. Is what I would guess, because that's happened to a lot of people. Well, it's, it's, well, yes. And then there's the addiction level of it. And particularly in those, those days, all these pills, Mm -hmm. even today, I mean, they always want to get rid of this pain, but the pain wouldn't go away. I suspect that Ken Wall was like Vinny and didn't want to get into therapy. Maybe. um, Because there's a mental, there's a, there's, is a mental aspect to being able to deal with um, continuous pain. Right. And um it takes but a I, lot. I, yeah. It ta- I think it takes a lot out of you for people who are in pain all the time, as oh, God, yeah. these different diseases that just don't let up. Yeah. Um and there's there's little real relief sometimes from some of it. Mm-hmm. Um I think we manage pain better now, but still, true. you know, this is still we're looking at 30 years ago. So, um, I, yeah, it's just that the depression level, but you would have, yeah, it, it, it is kind of weird, right? It really is weird that I, you know, because there was always talk about him not liking the way the story was going. And if you wanted to look at that, well, okay. I mean, but that wasn't what was, didn't seem to be what was going on to quit just like that abruptly and to have this Mm -hmm. rage so it yeah it probably had maybe he was on maybe they put him on new new pain meds and new antidepressants and this is how it ended up it wouldn't shock me no it wouldn't um because like honestly what could you complain about with what they've done with Vinny? you know i mean yeah the you can say well the the mid those uh the the episodes right the the filler episodes weren't very good but the filler episodes weren't very good uh but they were us both two of the three of them were a sop to Vinny so he could bring his good friends on the show yeah. sorry to Ken Wall so he could bring his good friends on the show and hang out with them so like you can't say it was that that was ca- driving him away from the show and it's not like the writing has gone downhill this season I mean we talked about our problems with the <laughs> with the Washington arc, but that's not worth, I can't imagine that's worth quitting the show over. And yeah. Lynchborough's just some of the best writing they've done. You know, it, it is, yeah, and we'll see that as we go along, but it, it is just weird. And yeah. um, for whatever reason, he, you know, are, who knows whether he had a drinking problem and fell off the wagon. Maybe. You know, there's yeah. a million. Things I mean, just been, remember, yeah. yeah, look, and I would, I would just remember going back to Babylon Five. Yeah, how years later we find out. Oh, yeah, the show completely changed 
everything about it because the main character was schizophrenic. No, no, he was manic depressive. Oh, sorry, manic depressive. Yes, he was manic depressive, and he just told he Straczynski just he, that, oh, Straczynski that I can't just, do it anymore. Yeah, I can't do this. And um, but at least he made it to the end of the season. He did. He did make it to the oh, end yeah. of the season, and he was able to come back for the that character's ending. Yes, two two episodes for the ending. Oh no no, but uh, got, yeah, he got yeah. That it was a two. You're right. It was a two parter. It was a two parter. Yeah. Oh, such a good show. Yeah. And whereas this one, like, to have it happen in the middle of a season when there were only seven episodes left to shoot. Yeah. That is that is some next level. I don't, you know, I just don't know of another story like that. I don't know whether they, they must have brought in, you know, sort of support people to get him through, like, because he does start to show up, right? Oh, so yeah. to get through this, to the end of the season, and then they just all went their separate ways. Yeah, he didn't sign on for the fourth season. Whatever, it, whatever it was in terms of his mental state mm-hmm. and physical state, um, he, he, it he, was bad. It was bad but, enough that he did quit the show. And like after this, you're not going to be seeing Vinny again for another five years. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yes, and but yeah, it it was it was just bizarre. Like, he couldn't do it anymore. And they somehow managed to convince him to come back for the end of the season. But yeah. Well, I was in his management and the rest of it, and they provided him. I would think they would have provided him with all sorts of supports and things like that. And it's not like you can say he was desperate to protect his career by coming back. Because after this, he retires from acting. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't money. No. I'm sure it wasn't money. I'm sure it wasn't. well, no, it wasn't money. That I mean, that's for sure. Because you know, he was the star of the show. The whole show revolved around him. Oh yeah, and he um, is the show. Yeah, and as we find out, yeah, um, with the fourth season, uh, it it just mm-hmm. it it is weird. Um, I don't. I have listened to some of the things commentaries I've read and stuff. Past, yeah, but it always focuses on the physical stuff and the pain and the rest of it. And it had to be more than that. Oh, and totally. So whatever, whatever it was, and he does. Yeah, we'll talk about after we get through with Hello Buckwheat. Yeah. And that impact for for the show. Yeah. Because because it does hold right. Because William Russ is just he's so such good a pro. It. Yeah, and bringing back. Uh, Lococo. Yeah, bring back yeah. Roger, one of our favorite characters in the history of the show. Yeah. It was absolute like who could have seen it coming? But it was absolutely like you never thought you were going to see Roger again. Nobody thought they were <laughs> ever going to see Roger again. Everybody mm-hmm. thought he was dead except for Vinny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh but we'll talk about that. And if you've listened to our crim, if you're not just here for Wise Guy, if you listen to talk- us talk about Criminal Minds, you may remember that at the beginning of the seventh season, uh, they fired AJ Cook, and we all know that was a disaster. We all know, like, we all know that was a disaster. We all know how that went. There's no need to go over it again. But that is, they fired AJ Cook, and it was a very dumb move, and they let AJ Cook 
I mean, and I'm sure, you know, other people wrote it too, but give a speech about how pissed she was about getting fired at the end of the episode, which is crazy. And it doesn't fit the episode at all. It is literally just a message from the actress to her fans. Yep. And it's, it's kind of beautiful that they managed to get away with doing that. Uh, the funny part is that exact thing happened on wise guy first, except wise guy, because it's written by better people managed to make both the producers and the actors frustrations with Ken wall and explaining the story here of what just happened. Part of the narrative. Yes. In a way that criminal minds failed to do. Like they and actually no, managed was... to make it part of the story. No, and it's yeah, kind of incredible. Like, okay. So, so what they do is, is Ken Wall quits. Yeah. And so they decide that Vinny is quitting over massive PTSD from Sonny Steelgrave. Yep. And that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And the two of so you don't even actually question that because we all know that nothing is ever resolved yeah. around yeah. the Steelgrave issue for Vinny. Mm-hmm. I, you know, ever. That's true. Yeah. And um, even though, you know, Steelgrave came and talked to him. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you can say it's a betrayal of white noise, and you can but say it that. Isn't. But it's yeah, not well, really. It's not really because Vinny's lying to himself. I'm fine because we can tell he's lying to himself when we get in the beginning of this season. Yeah. And the mob are his relation. And he still has these difficulties dealing with his relationship with whatever you want to call it. The mob. Yeah. La familia. La familia and his relationship with them. Yeah. And everything like he grew up. Everything he goes through with Albert. I mean, it's yes. not it's not the same relationship we had with Sonny. They're much closer to being equals, but he still gets taken in and he still sees things from Albert's point of view more than people would want so him much to do so, the job. So much so that he turns on his stepfather. Yep. So, no, he has never. And this may be, you see, so that's how when you're watching this the first time. Yeah. You fully accept. That yeah, they they sell it. Severe, You're right. He set they set up severe PTSD. Yep. I mean, it makes it makes sense. And you know, what? spoiler stores. alert: we're going to be talking about it more next week. Yes. So, uh, but for right now, that was his master's voice. A just a like, say what you will about how messy this episode is because of Ken Wall's absence. That last scene is among the best things Wise Guy has ever done. It's much okay. Explaining, like, even Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Even uh, what's his face? What who played Sonny Steelgrave? Yeah, Ray Sharkey. Because they all have a justifying speech, and even Albert, they all have their self-justification speeches. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. This is this is stems. Sort of self-justification speech. He doesn't do a justification no. thing at all, really. But it's, it's his, it's his. here's who I am a villain moment that everybody gets on this show. Everybody, every villain gets one. And mm-hmm. this is the best one. It's the best one. And it's it is. so I, magnetic and captivating. It's, yeah, I mean, because, I would say it's even better than my second favorite speech. And it's weird that our favorite speeches aren't like from the key villains. 
but they aren't. My second favorite speech is, ah, uh, it's, it's, um, oh God, how am I, playing? Fred Thompson explaining how the world works. Yeah. That it's like uh, his, I'm just a salesman speech. Yeah. Is, is I think my second favorite one after Stemmer's speech in this episode. Because these, these speeches yeah. are like so believable and they're not really, they're so personal. Mm-hmm. In a sense that they they don't put anything into a bigger context. Nope. It is only within their own context. Like, you know, I mean, you know, all of the other ones, you know, do the justification vis-a-vis the bigger society. Yep. Are are major villains, right? Whereas STEM. Yeah. And then Frank Thompson's speech. Yeah, Fred Thompson's speech. It's just about who they are and. Who they are and why they are. Mm-hmm. And it's it's and and yes, and Stem isn't even doing any self justification. No. no, not at all. He's just trying to grasp that he had to kill his two best friends because they didn't understand him. But he was yeah. This was yeah. just fine for him yeah. because well, and that's the thing. It's like for the first time in his life, he felt ready to show someone who he really was, and he was rejected. Completely, completely rejected. And they would have so turned had him to, in. Of course they would have turned him in. Yeah. And he could tell that by the way they reacted. And that's why he had to kill them. God, it's such and, a good episode. Yeah, no, it oh. is. And as we always say, the ending is what yeah. will save any kind of a mess. Yeah, no you matter know. how big of a mess it is, if you got a great ending, people will forgive you for it. <laughs> Yeah, and this is, you know, and it's I whatever the problem. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So that's that. That was his master's voice. Debatably the messiest episode of Wise Guy ever. Uh, and also one of the most incredible episodes of Wise Guy ever. It's it's a high and low all in one episode. Yes. yes to be followed by Oh, hello, Buckwheat. Buckwheat, and then of Let course. The let them eat cake. Both of which are just stellar episodes. And not just because we get more Roger, a thing we never thought we were going to get. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, he's he's he is such a good actor. Yeah. Oh, God. William Russ is so good on this show. Uh, there There is something. Well, we'll talk about it next. I was about to, to yes, mention something, uh, no. a choice they make. But yeah, we'll talk about it next week. All right. So for now. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find the show. And, of course, join us back here on Tuesday for more of our beloved Vincenzo and Wednesday for, uh, as she just said, Hello, Buckwheat. And let them eat cake. All right. So that's that. Uh, We'll see you back here next week. But until then, I guess I'll say that's right. Au revoir. Have a good week.